Welcome to Highball Politics, what America's bartenders are hearing. I'm David Kochel. And I'm Rob Stutzman. Each week, David and I are interviewing a bartender in a different U.S. city and state to find out what people there really care about when it comes to politics and culture. Why bartenders? Because bartenders have the pulse of their patrons and therefore the pulse of America, real America. In every episode, we will feature some incredible cocktail recipes, which you can find in the show notes. If you're a bartender or if you'd like to nominate your favorite bartender to be on our podcast, please email us at highballpolitics at gmail.com. Today, we're talking with Caitlin McDougall, who bartends at Simona's in the Colton House Hotel in Austin, Texas. But before we chat with Caitlin, Rob, let's get a bit of context on what's been going on in the news and why Texas is so important right now to what's going on in the country. So Texas, Rob, what do you think? I mean, Austin, we've been trying to get there for a while. A lot of politics going on. We've seen a couple of big races in the past couple of years not going the Democrats' way. Now you've got a scandal in the state house where we've impeached the attorney general. Austin's always been a real political city, obviously, because it's, uh, you know, it's one of the biggest states in the country and it's the state capital. What do we need to be finding out today about Austin? One, I think it'll be interesting just to talk about the city itself. I think it's one of the most fascinating, exciting cities in the country. Great place to visit. So I look forward to getting some color from Caitlin on that. But then the, you know, the politics of Texas right now are interesting. You mentioned it, this uh, impeachment of the attorney general, Ken Paxton, which we'll get into a little bit more, is an example of Republicans impeaching one of their own. It stands out as a bit of a different story in American politics right now. So it'll be interesting to see what the local reaction is to that also. The revenge of the establishment, Rob. I can't wait for it. All right, well, let's get to it and bring in Caitlin. So let's bring on our guest, Caitlin McDougall, who bartends at Simona's in the Colton House Hotel in Austin, Texas. Caitlin, welcome to Highball Politics. Hi, thank you for having me. We're very honored to, to have you. We've been wanting to feature Austin since we started doing the podcast. Such an interesting and exciting city in the country and uh, kind of a blue dot in red Texas. One of the phrases we like to, to coin here. So tell us about Simona's. At Colton House Hotel, do a little scene setting of the bar for us. Yeah, uh, Colton House Hotel itself is this cute little boutique off of South Congress. And it's, you know, it's away from the hustle and bustle of downtown. Our amenity is Simona's Coffee and Cocktails. It's tucked away in the back of the hotel. You have to kind of go, feels like a mile sometimes trying to find it. But you come up to that's where the pool is. It's beautiful trees and it's quiet. Yeah, we're open from 8 to 10 every day. We have free Wi-Fi, and we have people coming in doing work all the time. Also, our hotel guests, I see walks in life of all sorts. Yeah, so because even though you're in a hotel, you have a lot of locals from Austin. In fact, it's shout out to my friends Chad and Stephanie, who are some of your regulars who recommended you to the pod. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what's the neighborhood like? Pretty, it's fairly affluent part of town, right? But so what, are the, what are the regulars like that come in? Well, we have a whole bunch of different types of people. We're a nice, quiet workspace also. So I see a lot of students from St. Edwards, which is right down the street on Congress. People meet, do meetups, like business meetups during the week. I also have some ladies that come in on Tuesdays still, I hope. And they have a little knitting, little knitting group and... It's really cute. We've actually had other people do podcasts out there on our lawn. You think of it, we're a space for you. Sounds very Austin-like, very creative type space. I saw on your Instagram a yoga 
day where it was vino vinyasa yoga, which is obviously wine yoga, which I think is probably the best way to do yoga, right? Scotch will put on yoga pants for that. Matcha <laughs> and drink it. Right. So why don't we get to the signature cocktail? Because I got to say, I looked at what you sent over and I got so excited, except that I don't have any of the stuff that I need to make these cocktails because you're going real craft here. You know, I mean, it's it's pretty impressive. So tell us about your signature cocktail. And then, uh, yeah, we got a couple for later that we'll we'll have some fun with as well. Yeah, the Blowing Smoke. She's one of my first babies. She first started when I did a whiskey competition, my very first one at Whiskers Whiskey Distillery in Austin. It's called Blowing Smoke after Casey Musgraves. Do you take your rosemary sprig and you light it up any way you can? Like they have smokers for this whole thing. You can just throw in a slug also, which is much easier, but I like to make it hurt for myself. So I light the rosemary on fire and then I snuff the glass over that and I leave that outside. And that's when I build the shaker with some Buffalo Trace. The Blood Orange Cordial, that's Lieber and Co. Easy to find at Twin Liquors or your local liquor store. Peach Bitters also, you can find it somewhere. I have to find it online. Distribution is crazy these days. And then cinnamon simple syrup, which we make in-house. Super easy to make also. Oh, my missed thing. Oh, yeah, you shake some love into it. You actually have to infuse love. <laughs> so when you pour that into the glass with all the smoke, I mean, that's just got to be spectacular looking. It's one of the most satisfying parts of my job. <laughs> yeah, you pour it in there, the smoke escapes, and then you add the fresh ice. I throw that rosemary sprig that I smoked the glass with. And then the best part, is when you squeeze the orange peel behind a flame, lights the whole thing. Yeah, the fireworks go off. Oh, nice. But blood orange, cinnamon simple syrup, lemon juice, peach bitters. I mean, there's just a lot going on. Her first original name was Hidden Gem. It's got all these little hidden flavors. So no matter what season you're in or what season you're in throughout the year, you'll pick out that little, like, what is that? Oh, is that peach? You know, in the summer, maybe in your mind, you're thinking that you got a summer flavor, but in the winter, it'll carry over. I love that the cocktail is a she. I mean, these are these, these are like your children. They are my children. <laughs> I've gotten to the point where I think my creations are going to last longer than anything. So or at least that's the plan. My lineage will last longer than me. I love the performance nature of this too, Koch. I mean, this is like next cocktail party. We really want to show off. Of course, I still get a little worried about you with open flame. Yeah, no, that's that's true. <laughs> no, 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 you're a professional. Yeah, yeah, talking about cots. Yeah, don't don't let me around an open flame with alcohol. Could be explosive. Let's talk a little bit about Austin. So Austin to me has been one of the most exciting cities to go to in America. You know, the, for the past decade, I, you know, as a guy from California who wants to you know bomb in to hear country music or what have you. You know, there's this. When you go to Nashville, you go to Austin. I've been telling people for years, I, I go to Austin. No knock on Nashville. I just I love the scene in Austin. My wife and I dropped in to see Chad and Stephanie last fall, and I hadn't been there since before COVID, and I was stunned at how the skyline has changed cranes in the sky. Well, how long have you been there? And then what's it like to just see this constant explosion of growth going on? Well, I moved here from Massachusetts about 13 to 14 years ago when Austin was still weird. (laughs) South by Southwest was still free. There were still a lot of options. You can run around town. I think I got here at the end of the bomb before... It started becoming more of a, how much stuff can everyone do in a day? Just, I got too old for it after a while. <laughs> it just grew so fast. When I got here, there was 80 people a day. Now we're over 
150 a day. Everyone's coming in from all over the place. But the music scene, I think the reason why you might think it's better than Nashville or more fun, because there's so much more different types of music here. Right. Right. And I love the soul, the funk, the yeah. You can find bluegrass anywhere you walk. People ask me where can I find live music when you just open your ears. <laughs> just walk around downtown, and you'll find your flavor. East side, west side, right in the heart of downtown. Uh, we actually do live music at my bar too on Thursdays. Depends on what you're in the mood for. And you got Willie Nelson. You got Lucinda Williams. I mean, some of the greats really, you know, kind of coming out of there. Yeah, too. Yes. So keep Austin weird. Is that still a thing or is that kind of gone now with the, did it get trademarked too many times and become commercialized? I think it's evolved. It's more keep Austin eclectic, maybe. Trying to find something new and fresh to do that no one's done yet. And the innovation here is actually pretty incredible. I don't really get the time to really focus on it, but you got the art scene. After 2020, everything closed down. I mean, most of the city was restaurants, and that's where a lot of the live music venues were. People were utilizing at bars and restaurants. And then comedy boomed after that, and now I see a lot of that happening. And this city, what I know is really good at, it's completely innovating, just always reinventing itself and trying to keep up. My favorite sushi restaurant is Uchi, which is in Austin, which is just unbelievably good and innovative and creative. No one had Austin sushi on their bingo card. But Rob, next time you're there, I'm telling I, you, it's, no, I believe a it's, a, it's a great food scene there. I have no doubt that's probably right. All this growth, does it feel like the economy's thriving or you feel like there are people that have some economic anxiety or that just doesn't really seem to affect what's going on there? I think you just hit two points on each side of the coin you have a lot of people coming into town that are used to spending so much more money or coming from a completely different economy. We'll gently ease into maybe something political here. You got a couple of new residents. You got Joe Rogan, who is, you know, the world's biggest podcaster, I think, right? We, we, can, we can. Well, it's true. Give us a couple more months, Scotch. Yeah, well, I know. I mean, we're not quite into 2024 yet. We'll definitely get there. Yeah. And you got Elon Musk, who is obviously the world's richest man who took over Twitter. So you're attracting people into Austin now, which has kind of been this, yes, eclectic, very blue, bright blue dot in the Red Sea of Texas. But now here comes Joe Rogan, Elon Musk, you know, who's kind of both of them kind of, you know, in their own ways, very sort of anti-woke, anti-left. Why do you think that's happening? And does anybody care? Does anybody notice? Or, you know, what, what do you make of all that? We all definitely notice all the Teslas that uh <laughs> everywhere. And now everyone's going to have to have a charging station for them. I do have my own opinions about all that. The reason why a lot of us come here is for the environment. It's still lush and beautiful with, I mean, Barton Springs pool spring fed. So when Musk first came in with Tesla, he promised he was going to help take care of that. And, you know, they're all getting tax breaks. That's why they're all coming here. It's easier on there. It's easier for businesses, even small businesses to do just as well as the big conglomerates. But, you know, he promised he was going to try and use reverse osmosis for the wastewater and then use his own wastewater for everything else he has to do. He has to use millions of gallons a year of water, fresh water. So that's where we're all kind of, because he just, recently wanted to dump that wastewater in the Colorado. And I mean, Austin's not the only city that uses that water. 
and if they ever want to cut the water off, cut the water supply from down below them, they will. I don't know. It's just when money starts getting involved, it's like where where's the line and how long is Austin going to have water? Because a lot of people are coming here using the water too. Mm-hmm. We're like the other side of the coin is the reason why a lot of us moved here. And then the other reason why they're moving here and that's kind of going to yeah. lied just a little bit. But it's still... Everyone's still kind to each other, though. <laughs> you know, we get a little, ah, my city, but we're learning to share. So speaking of being kind to one another, you know, it's this obviously state capital, big university town, uh, UT. By the way, very underrated presidential library, if you're ever in Austin. The Lyndon Baines Johnson Presidential Library is fantastic. So you've got a lot going on there. And because it's the capital for your politics, that would probably clash a bit with the politics of the city and of the residents that are there. What's that culture like, especially when, you know, the governor's like working down the street, but all the neighborhoods, you know, surrounding that capital aren't voting for him. Is there a civility or does it feel like there's a tension that comes with having Republicans down at the state house running the state? Well, it makes things a little uneasy because, you know, no one wants to talk politics, right? But recently, they have turned the personal political. So it's kind of hard not to talk about it. But no one really talks about it. We'll talk about it when we're not at work. I know I have a lot of aggressions. So when I'm out with my friends, we all just, you can, I hear it around all the time. Like, we hear his name. We're like, yeah. Well, so like, do you hear it in the bar? Yeah. yeah. Like, real quick. Nah. Roe v. Wade was reversed. I only had women coming to my bar. <laughs> Saying all day how they wish the juice line had vodka, you know, for their smoothie or little day. And I was like, well, I get all the vodka, I just not the smoothie. <laughs> we will make this better. So we became this, um, I don't know, it was very gloomy, but we still have some sort of hope because that's, that's all we can do. Yeah, you know? kind of build community so, out of that. Like, why are we talking about issues that weren't even necessary to talk about in the first place? So many other things that we should be dealing with, like our electric grid. Yeah. Or that people stay ahead. I mean, our homeless problem. I mean, the things that we could be talking about. So this is what we were all thinking is like, why? Why are we talking about this? Yeah, sometimes politics kind of gets away from the things that are really important in your life. And people are fighting over things that really don't matter. Although, I mean, obviously Roe versus Wade, it's a big deal. And it matters, of course. It's going to affect a lot of people's lives. And there are arguments that are being made. Some of them can be made in a way that's healthy, but a lot of them are being made in a way that is not healthy. Well, this is one of the things that Rob and I have obviously been a part of as political consultants. There's a big divide going on in the Republican Party, obviously. You got Trump, and then you got people who don't like Trump. There's a lot of that playing out in Austin right now. You have the Republican Speaker of the House who has impeached the Attorney General Ken Paxton over charges of bribery, retaliation against whistleblowers and I think obstruction of justice. So Ken Paxton has now been removed as the attorney general temporarily until the Senate takes up his case and then that'll play out in the Senate. But you've got Trump and Trump's allies calling because Paxton's a huge Trump supporter calling for, you know, the Republicans to acquit him in the Senate. Is that stuff getting talked about? Is that like, how much is that on your TV screens? Every time we hear about a new indictment, as a little bit of quietness, but uh, I think after he left the limelight, it's been quieter. No one really wants to talk about 
the president now because I think some people are a little embarrassed by it still. But we're also like we're not hearing all of these crazy things happening every day. It does seem a little bit more relaxing, but it's a weird balance with the political climate that we're having in, in the South, too. It's like we're confused. We feel kind of helpless trying to fix it. I think because gerrymandering, I've, I've heard people talk about that, too, the way everyone's mm-hmm. gotten Austin. Even though you know that none of hardly any of the people in Austin follow what you have to say, but because you need a piece of that city. So this is what happens with a lot of gerrymandering. So gerrymandering, of course, is you know drawing districts creatively, congressional districts or legislative districts. And so what happens a lot with cities, right, in these reddish states is the city gets chopped up and diluted. So you're saying it doesn't feel like Austin has as much voice or representation, right, as it should. Yeah. I mean, I'm surrounded by a bunch of fun-loving hippies. The zip code I live in, 7704, it was all the creative types, the artists, the musicians. And now it's just, it's pushing everyone out that used to love whatever Austin was originally about. Mm-hmm. We all need roommates. You know, like I have roommate right now and having a meeting in the other room. You make it work because we love it here so much. And there's all these policies that are making a lot of big changes for the big tech and... We're trying to find out where we fit again. And again, I think we'll evolve into something completely new again. People in Austin, they love it here, and they will make it work as long as they can. There is constant change, though. Right? That goes back to my yeah. cranes in the sky, skyscrapers out of nowhere that weren't there a few years ago. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, but I just hope they do it eloquently because the city can only hold so much weight. It's on a, it's on a river and limestone, which yeah. I'm going to... I've ever heard of Hamilton Pool, that cavern fell in on itself, and that's why it's massive waterfall. And it just makes me worried how many more buildings we add to that skyline. So a little bit more on politics. We we're talking about so we've talked about Republicans in Texas and Austin, maybe a little bit feeling like you're held hostage to the Republicans around you. What are the more liberal people in town feeling about President Biden? What do you hear, you know, tidbits here and there? What do you pick up as a general sentimentality about the the president and whether or not he should run again? I'm not so sure about him running again. I haven't heard talk, people talk about that because I don't think we're really ready for another campaign. It feels like we just ended one. <laughs> it just takes over. I don't believe half the things they campaign on anything anyway. But I do know that a few of us are kind of disappointed. You know, I mean, he's hanging in there. He's not as active in the news as the last president. We just wish he could have done more, but he was also our only choice. The DNC, RNC, don't they choose that for us? Well, we have a primary process starts in my home state of Iowa. But speaking of, you think the campaign was just over, it's fully on right now between these Republicans. We have CNN now having a couple of town halls a week with these presidential candidates. So as we're talking today... On Tuesday morning, we got all the TV stations now trained on the Miami courthouse. Donald Trump is about to be arraigned in his federal indictment. Of course, he was indicted a month or so ago by Alvin Bragg in New York. So it's just like it seems like there's an indictment once a month now. Are people talking about that? Are the TVs going to be on CNN or MSNBC today? Or I assume not Fox, but like, is anybody paying attention at the bar to this stuff? Well, my bar doesn't actually have a TV. That's uh, probably really, helpful. It's so great. After working at other bars or restaurants that have TVs, you know, if you leave the news on, 
you're going to have a debate going on in your dining room. So it's probably best, especially with the divisions these days. We try not to get too political, at least. I don't know who's coming into my bar. We see people from all over the world staying at that hotel. There's children and everyone just kind of wants to come in for an escape. But, you know, I've come across some misogyny, some racism. I've seen some of that. But we try to, you know, it gets nipped in the bud really fast. We're like, we're a happy space, y'all. Like, don't come in here with that division. We're all supposed to be together when we're in this bar. But to the side, you know, some of our regulars, they'll be like, hey, did you see the latest indictment? And like, oh. <laughs> it's basically just knowing your, your audience, I think, is what we've all learned in the past few years. Just going to be careful with your, with your words if you can. You don't know who you're going to offend anyway. I think we're all hoping, I say we, majority, we're hoping that uh, you won't be running this next campaign. That'd be great. I personally can't handle it. Austin can be the Never Trump headquarters of Texas. <laughs> Let me take the seat just fine. Who's the most popular Democrat down there, by the way? Still Beto, even though he can't win statewide? You know, he comes very close. He turned Yes, to- he comes close. I've been to a couple of his rallies, and people will stand in the heat for him. Actually, everyone is very kind to each other. I think last year went to a rally and Wendy Davis was there. She's personally my thing. She stood for 15 to 18 hours filibustering for women of Texas. And I'll never forget that day. I was in the Capitol twice that day. <laughs> Saw her and, you know, we were waiting for after midnight. I still try to knock her down. But my girl, Wendy. But Beto, he was kind of a, I don't know, during the freeze, he was running around making sure everyone was safe. And... You mean he didn't go to Mexico like the sitting U.S. senator did? He was Cancun. <laughs> so Wendy Davis, this is interesting, actually. I think it's worth pointing out because we ask this question usually weekly. But I think this is the first time that a state legislator, she's the state senator, I think from the Fort Worth area, came up. So that says something when you can break through as a state house elected to be the answer to that question, Kachel, it's pretty unique. She's fascinating to me. Uh, a lot of people liked Bernie, too. Yeah, I would think Bernie's a pretty good fit for Austin as well. No, he would fit right in. Like people from Vermont. Now, the Wendy Davis thing, that kind of makes sense to me. You know, it was very iconic, you know, the tennis shoes and all that. I mean, it was a big national story right there with a state senator. It was just as a very obscure person coming into this debate, and all of a sudden, all the national attention is on her for a while. Now, she... You know, Texas is Texas. And even though there's been a lot of sort of the Democrats were investing money in there after Obama thinking, well, now the demographics are changing, more Hispanics, you know, this is the state that eventually we can win. It hasn't turned out that way. I think Republicans actually are getting a bigger share of Hispanic voters in the Trump era than they were prior to the Trump era, which is endlessly fascinating to me. But, you know, Beto sort of, you know, 2018 sort of seemed like the high watermark when he was running against Cruz for the Senate. The polling had it very close. He was raising tens of millions of dollars. He was going to red places in the state and still turning out huge crowds. And I I just remember thinking that he was quite the phenomenon. He comes close. He doesn't win, but it launches a presidential campaign where he actually gets in a fight on Fox News with Lauren Boebert in Colorado and Denver about taking away guns. And so what a crazy thing. And then 22, he goes and, and runs for governor and can't quite put it together. So it's like, you know, politics is so interesting because it creates these phenomena and you think, well, now things are going to change or wow, all of a sudden Democrats can win in Texas where they couldn't win before and then it doesn't happen and the water recedes and 
you know, than he loses by a larger margin in 2022. So you guys have had an interesting run there the last uh, decade or two. I know. And what's interesting is being from where I'm from, being a democratic state where I grew up, it's very red. So it's kind of like the opposite situation now living in a blue city in a red state. Mm -hmm. Western Mass? Right smack in the middle. If you took a bullseye to Massachusetts, that's where I live. And I saw a family up there. But I mean, it's very, very small towns, spread out. They say there's more cows and people. Well, Rob and I both worked for your former governor, Mitt Romney, and uh, I did the governor's race in 2002, and then we both worked on the presidential campaign. Yeah, gosh, even though he's still a great senator, he'd have a tough time winning a Republican presidential primary right now. Yeah, for sure. So let's transition to kind of our fun note where we do signature cocktails named after politicians from the state where we're in. And we usually do this bipartisan, but there's so many Republicans that really dominate Texas. We're going to go double Republican and give you an opportunity here to have some fun. So the first is a cocktail named after Governor Greg Abbott. And then we'll follow that up with a cocktail named after the recently impeached Attorney General Ken Paxton. So what do you have for us on these? Well, for Abbott, because I like to name my drinks after songs, I couldn't help myself with a big freeze from a couple of years ago we call Snowpocalypse. So my friend Steven and I were talking about this and he goes, you have to do a snow cone. <laughs> snow cone. And I was like, going with it. So I went with Cold as Ice by Foreigner is the name of his drink. <laughs> rum Haven, coconut rum, lime juice, coconut cream. The blue curacao is going to be the base. And then you mix all the other, the white ingredients, shaken, poured over the ice on top of that. And then I do a Campari float on top. The bitterness balances out the sweetness in the rest of the drink. And it also looks like one of those, what are they called? It's little rocket pops, like those little icicle pops. <laughs> yeah. you know, the red, white, and blue. Love those. Yeah. Yes. They're not looking like that if you build it in that way. And then as it gets colder and macerates, it just turns into like this really pretty icy blue, like an icicle. I could kind of picture Ted Cruz with one of those on the beach. Vacations, right? I know. Oh, yeah. Next time there's an ice storm in Texas, these are available at Cancun Cool Bars for all the politicians that flee the state. And it actually sounds delicious. And at least the governor probably would appreciate that it starts with red, white, and blue before it begins to melt. Yeah. What do you got for Attorney General Paxton? I named his Little Eyes by Sweetwood Matt. I like to call it the Fool's Gold Rush. You know, gold rush is with uh, whiskey or scotch with lemon and honey. So I did a drambouille, which is a scotch liqueur, mm -hmm. uh, lemon juice, a honey chamomile simple syrup that we make in-house. And I do like a little redemption rye whiskey float on top. And it's redemption. We're going to get these in the show notes. I mean, these have to be made. My son is coming in this weekend, my oldest, and he is a big rum fan. So we're totally doing the rocket pop drink. Yeah, the Coco Lopez is going to be the coconut cream that you get for that. Super easy. And you can actually do the equal parts of lime and the coconut cream. That's what I like to do behind the bar. So it's easier to shake in there. And the lime will help macerate it, and it'll keep it fresher longer, too, because it acts as preservative. But the blue curacao, you got to put it at the bottom first, and you got to layer in there. Layer it in, make it look right. Well, Caitlin, you are obviously a talented mixologist. It's been a pleasure to have you on. And next time Rob and I roll into Austin, we are definitely going to be heading over to the Colton House Hotel and uh, joining you at Simona's because I can't wait to see what else you got, you know, on the menu over there. 
Yes. And my staff is super talented. So they love curating, you know, to what you like. And they are some of the most beautiful people I've ever met. What a great vibe. Kaylin, thank you. We're really honored you joined us and you represented your city, I think, spectacularly. Austin's the best. Thank you so much. Thank you all so much. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Well, Dave, a great episode with Caitlin. We've been wanting to do Austin. I'm glad we got it in. What takeaways did you have? Well, first of all, she's very creative. The drinks are outstanding. And obviously, we're a politics show, but it's about cocktails. And she brought the goods for sure. I also love, you know, a transplant from Massachusetts. You can tell she's got that Northeastern personality. Sounds like she's built a great little community in that bar. And, you know, no TV, no you know, she doesn't really allow a lot of politics talk in there, but, you know, the city is all about it. It's surrounded by it. You could tell she kind of had a reaction when we brought up Elon Musk and Joe Rogan coming in. I think that's a yeah. thing that's happening down there. A lot of people moving out of California because either the policies or the crime or the homelessness and that sort of thing. So Austin has been a destination, you know, and as people going into a red state, maybe to benefit from red state regulation or taxation, that sort of thing. And yet they're moving to one of the most, you know, liberal cities in Texas. So it's kind of an interesting mix. I think they're building. Down. Yeah. Austin, Austin's like one of the fastest growing cities, you know, in the country. It's now a major U.S. city. And it was interesting hearing from her. She called it the two sides of the coin, but it's just that tension of, yeah, life's great. There's creativity there. There's university there, you know, capital incentives to bring business there. Dell Computers, one of the first, I think, companies and went there and really started the boom, but it creates this tension because with it comes a lot of people from other places. You start to get a bit of that culture clash. The corporate imperatives start to eclipse the artistic ones that if it, they're so much a part of this, the city's soul and original identity. And it, you could hear that kind of playing out with the way she would describe what's going on, like some of the skepticism now about Musk and whether he's kept his word on all of his promises, et cetera. Well, and you got a state capital right there in the city that is, you know, filled with conservative Republicans and a city that is, uh, you know, really in tension with that brand of Texas conservative politics. Kind of interesting. But I also, I like talking about the tension even in our own party, in the Republican Party, in that capital where you've got, you know, the speaker kind of taking down this Trumpy AG and impeaching him. And then we'll see whether or not, you know, who wins out in the end over in the Senate. So, we got a family fight going on right there in that bright blue city. What a time to be alive in Austin. Well, it's well it is. It, it, it's worth emphasizing this point. The impeachment of Paxton, and yeah, the speaker led it, but you know, the majority of Republicans in the in the lower house voted for the articles of impeachment. It's the only example I think we've seen in years of Republicans really kind of cleaning their own house. Yeah, which is an amazing contrast, of course, at this particular moment, while we watch. National Republicans more or less try to excuse the indictment of Trump. Worth keeping an eye on. We'll, we'll do some follow-up in the weeks ahead as the Paxton story continues to unfold. Sounds good, Rob. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for giving Highball Politics a shot, pun intended. And join us next week as we pull up a bar stool in another politically, culturally important city and state in this great country. And we're going to talk to a bartender to find out what the locals are drinking and what they're saying. Until then, Kachel, cheers. Cheers, Rob. 
Highball Politics is a podcast presentation of Highball Media. Executive producers are David Kochel and me, Rob Stutzman. Our producer is Miranda Perrin. Please send your bartender nominations and any questions to highballpolitics at gmail.com. And find us on social media. We're at Highball Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And if you were brave enough to make this week's signature cocktail, please remember to tag your pics of this week's with the hashtag Highball Podcast. And if you want to support our show, please subscribe to Highball Politics wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. And please share this episode with your friends. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.